Open fire. Now that I have your attention. Welcome to the Chase Ascendancy Podcast. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome back to... The Chess Ascendancy. <laughs> it's always funny whenever it's uh, one of the three regular guys getting back into it. <laughs> Nobody else gets to do those. That's right. Um, but we are on episode 79, and it is April Jeez. 1st, 2022. And uh, today's subject is April Fool's Gold. We put those two. I thought it was pretty clever. <laughs> put those two phrases together. <laughs> uh, still waiting for the Daily Beast to give me a job. A little corpse I can put up there. Uh, never mind. I would never want to work for them. Uh, but uh, we are talking about characters. Uh, so everybody knows what Fool's Gold is. Fool's Gold is, um, you know, back in the day, uh, it's a false gold. And so let's say that you're working, you know, in the California gold rush and you go to pay your your guys and their share of the gold and you give them, you know, something phony. And so uh, the Fool's Gold that we are talking about is characters that were huge parts of marketing, huge parts of trailers and things like that, but they didn't get their due justice in the nine uh, Star Wars Skywalker saga films. Now, there are characters on this list that are that have gotten a lot of love in other things like Clone Wars books and things like that. Uh, but we're focusing on, um, you know, what are the draft busts of star wars essentially so um we'll go ahead and start because there's a lot of them uh but uh before we i guess before we start one thing i wanted to ask you about adam is yesterday uh we got the incoming transmission from obi-wan himself and uh, he said that um the release of obi-wan kenobi was moved back two days from may 25th to may 27th um, but we are getting two episodes that day instead of just the one that we would have gotten on Wednesday. What is your thoughts on that? And do you think it's a big deal or not a big deal? Um, I think it could go either way, to be honest. I think that um, it is a big deal that they moved it because of the fact that they had it coming out originally, if I'm not mistaken, on the anniversary of A New Hope, Correct. Yeah, so 1977, May 25th, right. A New Hope right. comes out. We're introduced to Obi-Wan, and 45 years to the day, Obi-Wan Kenobi was supposed to come out. And uh, what's really interesting to me is it's not the 42nd anniversary, it's not the 48th anniversary, it's not the 51st anniversary. 45 is such a nice round number sure. that you would think they'd really want to stick to it. Um, to me, that is a little indicative of of it's on purpose like it's it's a bigger deal than they're trying to let on if that makes sense yeah i agree but then to move it two days right and then give you a full other episode there's i don't know there's something kind of um i don't want to call it sketch because it's not sketch i mean they're still giving us the 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 goods but it's just like why move it two days yeah it's interesting because it makes it sound like they are um they have to move it, but they're also right. still they're right. still betting on themselves. Like they didn't move it by a week. They moved it by two days. And 
they promised it's kind of like uh it's kind of like any any uh loan shark victim from any movie ever they're like just give me two more days and i'll give you twice yeah. as much as i owe you <laughs> right right like, right don't make that promise right um you know so i hope they're not han soloing us and being like easy job i'll give you ten thousand more than you're asking for you know in two days so it's right. really interesting i was wondering um the only okay so obviously there's a ton of behind the scenes things that we have no idea what's going on with the show the only thing that we've seen is the trailer and the only complaint from the trailer is how the grand inquisitor looks from rebels and so do you think if you had to guess do you think that's editing they're doing on him specifically or do you think it's something we probably don't know about um for editing wise i don't think that they would do that I, they may change a little bit the way he looks, but I don't think that they would spend two whole days or, or what have you trying to uh, or delay this for two whole days just to change the look of one person. Yeah. Um, I think that, that they've kind of gotten what they wanted with that and they um, they may adjust it a little bit, but I don't think that they'll totally redo it. No, yeah. but that's me. That's it. It's interesting. It could also be something I was talking to a friend of mine uh, and we were saying it could be something along the, along the lines of maybe there's a supporting character that's not that big of a deal that has, you know, said something rude or done something, you know, that was a fireable offense or something that they know that's going to come out to the news soon. And they're trying sure. to find ways to patch that person out of the show. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. But uh there seems to be a lot of that lately, so I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Chris Rock was in the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, dude, anyways, we're anyways. not going to talk about that. that <laughs> no, is, we're not. That is an inflated debate. Um, so we have nine characters, um, and we'll get into, obviously, again, we can't overstate we know some of these characters have gotten love off screen in other content, but some of them still haven't. So we'll get through them. We'll try to get through them in a timely fashion. Uh, so starting in, in episode one, the Phantom Menace, this guy uh, was on all the marketing, all the packaging, all of the, you go to your local Shipley's and they have a poster for some reason. You fool! And uh, it's Darth Maul. At last we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last we will have revenge. And Darth Maul was just a massive, massive part of uh, the lead up to the Phantom Menace. He was um, the first double bladed lightsaber we've ever seen. Um, his big reveal. Is that was so dark. iconic. Oh my gosh. The oh door opens. And, yeah. um, you know, and, and when you think about it in that moment as well, he's only had his hood up this whole time. Yeah. Like whenever Sidious brings him in to talk right. to, to Newt Gunray and, uh, <laughs> whenever he's on the balcony on Coruscant, you know, with that, that line at last we'll reveal ourselves to the Jedi, all those moments, um, he has his hood on and the grand reveal of not only does he have a double bladed lightsaber, but he's Satan himself with horns. Right. Right. Um, right. So it's interesting because this guy had so much potential and, and, was such a fantastic um, addition because we had never had a Jedi or a Sith that was so, um, so physical in their, in their fighting style, you know, 
And yeah. obviously the original trilogy, the fighting was not up to what we're used to now, especially from the prequels and the sequels and especially animation stuff. So having right. Ray Park as Darth Maul doing, you know, this guy's a legitimate, you know, MMA practitioner and he's doing all these crazy flips and acrobatics and showing off some of his toad work from uh, from Marvel's uh, X-Men. <laughs> X-Men, you know? yeah. So what was your thought on that? Obviously, you're you're a little bit older than me. So when you saw Darth Maul, did you feel like you got a fair shake or, you know, what was your thoughts at the time? Well, I mean, we, we put him on this list for a reason because he he got a little bit of, of show there in this first episode, but the show left us wanting more about this guy because he's he's obviously um like crazy good fighter. Like he's he's got he's got power, he's a Sith, he's you know, he's he just there's a lot of questions left at the end of his time in that movie. Yeah. And I, I think that that's that's one thing that I, I did like about the movie itself. Um, is that they put this awesome character in there. He's a great fighter. He, you know, pulls out this iconic lightsaber. It's um, he, he ends up being split in half, but like, so he's only in this, this, this whole Skywalker saga for this little bit, mm -hmm. but, but then he's just like, like, so BA that we want to know more about him. Like, and, and I think right. that that's why, you know, Clone Wars and all these other things have just added so much to him because he, I, I don't know, at that moment in time, I was just like, he, he was my favorite for the yeah. longest time. Oh yeah. hundred percent. I think it's cool. Um, also, uh, it's not fair for us to kind of pick on some of these characters and then not give them their just, uh, you know, their roses. Darth Maul as of now has one of the most complete stories and one of the most Absolutely. fulfilling stories that we've ever had. And uh, it's cool because there's a lot of times, especially before Star Wars really blew up in the last five years or so, um, that you'd have someone, uh, especially adults, right? Like people in their 20s, their 30s, whatever, uh, that were like, yeah, I'll watch the movies, but I'm not watching a freaking cartoon. And yeah. it's like, dude, you're missing out on some of the best action. You're missing Absolutely. out on hands down the best storytelling when you look at some of the arcs that you get i remember um uh you know chance chance is watching the clone wars right now and uh nice. and he was talking about uh okay so if you haven't seen the clone wars spoiler alert i guess why are you here uh <laughs> but he was like man ahsoka just left the jedi order and uh i'm upset and i was like just wait till what happens to fives right and, uh, and it's crazy because he was like he comes in and he was like a freaking chip in the head. Are you kidding me? And I was like, yeah, you haven't even scratched the surface. You got to watch the bad badge. You got to watch rebels. You got to oh, watch yeah. all these things. Um, oh, yeah. But so Maul has gotten his roses since then. Um, but again, one of those characters that used very heavily for marketing, who is this very. freaking satanic looking character. That's the bad guy. Um, the incarnation of evil itself. And uh, he looks like he's right out of, uh, Don, the, the picture that people you see that the famous picture of Dante's Inferno, like the seven levels of hell, like he looks like he could just like <laughs> copy and paste him into one of those. Right. Yeah, um, absolutely. But anyways, maybe he's and I think it's George did this part on purpose, at least. I do think that he's um, he's an embodiment of sometimes the most evil looking person isn't even the most evil person. You know, George is obviously heavily. Yeah. Uh, he's heavy into religion and politics and star Wars is this big, um, 
media event that points out some of the flaws of humanity. And I think that Darth Maul is, yes, this guy's the meanest looking guy, but the person that looks the most trust trustworthy is the Sith Lord. And uh, we'll not get into all that and all that depth, but you know, right. yeah, he's that a... character. Uh, okay, so episode two, it's, uh, it's such a hot or cold episode for a lot of folks. Some people say sure. it's the weakest movie in the franchise. Um, it's high on my list, I gotta tell you. Episode 2, I rewatch often. And I'm a fan of Attack of the Clones. And uh, I think this year is 20 years. Or maybe it was, yeah. Yeah, this year is 20 years of Attack of the Clones. Um, which is freaking Jeez. wild to say. Um, so we have two. You four! You four! Two characters from this episode. Uh, who do we got from episode 2, Adam? Um, well, we can start off here with... Uh... Count Dooku. Oh no, my friend. This is a mistake, a terrible mistake. They've gone too far. This is mad. <laughs> oh, what dirty, we, we had a, oh, dirty, dirty hands. <laughs> dirty hands himself. I, that's what I was trying to, I was, could not remember what we titled that, uh, that video. That is hilarious. Dirty hands Dooku, you stinky boy. Um, yeah. yeah, Dooku gets such a like, and he's in episode two and three. But even yeah. in both of those, um, I think that you don't really – I think he gets overshadowed. Um, so in episode two, he's freaking wrecking both Anakin and Obi-Wan, who is the well-known chosen one who's been training for 10 years now and a Jedi. Uh, I guess Obi-Wan's a knight at this point, but he's right on his way to being a master. Um and he's just handing their butts to them in this fight. But yeah. he gets overshadowed by Yoda in the end. Yes. Who is, you know, far his, his more than his match. Yeah, I, I remember watching that and, you know, trying to figure out who Dooku was in the movie and trying to understand um, his his part in all this. And, you know, him being this this mysterious, you know, uh, piece in this 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 whole thing. And then that scene where Anakin and Obi-Wan just get their butts royally kicked. And then right. old Yoda comes in limping with his little cane, like, hey, you know, hey, Dooku, you know, we're done. And then they start fighting and he's flipping here, flipping there. And but yet Dooku's holding his own with him, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. Yoda, it's just like I, he's he looks old, you know, Yoda's. At this point, I don't remember his age, but he's he's old. He's walking in with a cane. He's limping. You got two old guys fighting, but yet they look like youngsters because they're just going at it. Yeah. And just I, just the fact that Dooku would be in that age and going as hard as he is, man, I was I was blown away. Yeah, I thought it was. Uh, I'm sure there's an edit out there somewhere. Somebody has to have made it, but it's funny that he walks in with like a pimp limp. And yeah. uh, <laughs> I'm sure somebody on YouTube has has tracked it to Snoop Dogg, where it's like. I guess that's Dre, but uh, it'd be funny if, you know, as soon as, cause the, one of the coolest parts is we've gotten so much uh, Western style things with the Mandalorian and things like that. Um, But at the time it was like the most gunslingery thing we'd ever gotten when, uh, well, there's another thing that I'll mention, but one of the things that really stood out was like, Oh, that's freaking sick was when Yoda pulls back his, uh, his coat, and then draws oh, yeah. his lightsaber to his other hand. Yeah, that was that was uh, you know before Cad Bane was pulling his coat back and saying, "Let's draw on it." Right. Like, that was that was Yoda's doing that. Um, and I think Dooku, you know, 
George always says that Star Wars is like poetry at rhymes, you know, he's any, that's any storytelling, but especially in Star Wars. And uh, it's cool because Luke, who in Yoda and Obi-Wan's eyes is the actual chosen one. You know, we were wrong about Anakin or maybe we believed in Anakin, but he fell. So this guy, maybe they're almost like forcing themselves to believe maybe there is this new chosen one. Sure. Um, but he can't lift the X-Wing out of the swamp. And it's it's a make or break moment for Luke. And even like having seen it a thousand times, I'm always like, do it. Come on, pull it up. And Same. Every, every single time he doesn't do it, I'm like, frick, dude, you're such an amateur. <laughs> like, uh, right, right. But in Attack of the Clones, I think, and obviously I haven't spoken with George on this, but I imagine that I imagine that when Dooku is just like moving these huge like vats or steam you know, steam movers or whatever they are, or even the ceiling itself. He just puts his Saruman hands up like this yep, and yep. is just pulling huge chunks out of the ceiling. Yep. And uh, I think that that was um, to show like, especially for the OT fans um, who, who had been around for the original trilogy, seeing somebody just willy nilly be like, what if I've moved this car is zing, 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 zing. Like, right. I think that was such a, a cool, like thing. zero effort. <laughs> Yeah, and, and even yeah. and I know that obviously the gravity's effect of being the one sure. to grab it and hold it back up was strenuous for Yoda, but it was so cool that he was like, "Wham, throw this, wham, throw that," and Yoda's straining to hold these things back up after he moves them. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, there's actually a moment where he freaking uses force lightning yep. to break apart the ceiling, which was, it's just we don't. I think that's such a cool like he could just pull it. But we have to reassert the fact that this guy is a Sith Lord and he's going to use Sith lightning as a jackhammer to break down this ceiling. Yep. Um, so Dooku, um, you know, for the longest and even after Clone Wars, like both the Tartakovsky Clone Wars and, you know, the new 3D style, I never I've still never really felt like I knew Dooku. And I never really um, I always wanted to know, like. Is this guy just like a douche? Is this guy like just trying to take over himself? Does he believe he's going to defeat Sidious? Like, right. what is the? I never understood. Like Cad Bane said, his angle. I never understood the angle of why he was who he was, or why, if Yoda himself is your master and people like Mace Windu are your peer, like what draws you to leave the Order? And they still didn't flesh it out very much in the Clone Wars. Um, but if you are a fan or you want to know more about Dooku he has also gotten a little bit of outside treatment um, from two novels. So if I can recommend two novels, if you're a fan and you want to know more about Count Dooku, uh, they are Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray. That's a huge, uh, you know, that's one of the ones that I tell anybody, if you love the prequels and you want to get into books, this is your book. Um, Cause everyone loves Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. Um, and then the second one that's totally like shows you his whole backstory, all of these things is actually an audio drama that was written for Audible called Dooku Jedi Lost. And if you're not into audiobooks, they actually made a transcription of it. And that is nice. by Mr. Kevin Scott, who is heavily involved with the comics and also one of the High Republic authors. Um, so one of the greatest writers of the of the modern Star Wars age wrote Dooku Jedi Lost. And uh, you get a lot of backstory and um, it really starts to flesh out the character. Growing up, I didn't really, ha I wasn't really a fan. I was like, okay, this lame mo over here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I was like, just stick to Lord of the Rings. Get out of here. This isn't <laughs> for you. Um, but after Master and Apprentice and Dooku Jedi Lost, um, the complexity and the depth of the character are there. But in 2002, he was fool's gold. 
Um, second character from episode two, we have the one and only Django Fett. I'm just a simple man trying to make my way in the universe. Father of our daimyo, Boba Fett. Um, played, obviously, as we know, by Timura Morrison because he is ageless and timeless and a jewel. Um, <laughs> Agreed. Uh, but uh, Django was one of those characters that... Um, Again, seeing the Mandalorian armor for the first time in however many years, um, you know, seeing it and hearing the rumors of like, yeah, this was Boba Fett's dad and this is Boba Fett's armor before it's Boba Fett's and the Slave One was there and much cleaner and different colors and things like that. Um, he got a lot more screen time, but the way that he died, I felt like sucked because he... Uh, his jetpack malfunctions. And I was like, dang, this guy did not get a fair shake. Um, now, now going back to, to you talking about uh, Luke saying how, you know, you want it every time you watch it, you're like, is he going to do it? Is he going to do it? Yeah. Every time I, I watch Django lose his head, I'm just like, his head's going to fall out of the helmet. His head's going to fall. Like, I just, I want Especially that to happen. Bo- Boba's holding yes. It up. As soon as, as soon as Boba picks it up, I'm just like, please let his head fall out of the helmet. Like, I just, I want to see that. Yeah. There, there. I have for sure seen edits of that where he holds oh, yeah. up and it's just like thump out of yep. it. Um, but I remember to this day, there's a little hate in my heart for Mace Windu because uh, I was like, can't believe you did that to Jango Fett. He's just a man nice. his way through the universe. He's just trying to make a buck. Um, and it's weird because he's like anti-Jedi, anti-Republic, it seems. Uh, it could be just whoever's to the highest bidder type of thing. Um, but he also is like a loving father. So you're like, this guy's a bad guy technically, but at the same time, like a great dad, what does that mean? Like, do I root against this guy who essentially adopted, uh, this young boy? Like, obviously he asked for Boba, but even in the movie hearing, like, this is what I want. I want to pass on. I want to be a dad. You know what I mean? Like there's so many people out there that, um, whether they're a single parent or um, there's, you know, physical issues with infertility or whatever it might be, or maybe it's just on their heart to, to be an adopted, you know, parent uh, that really spoke to me. And I was like, man, here's a guy that he just got all the money he could ever freaking want. Like he could just never work another day in his life, but he desires to be a father. He can't be that bad of a guy. Right. And then before my emotions can even be processed at freaking nine years old, he gets his daggum head cut off. And yeah. uh, I've, I've kind of been mad at Mace Windu for 20 years. <laughs> well, I can't, honestly, I can't be mad. Uh, I can't because I, I thought, uh, you know, Mace Windu being, uh, I, I love seeing the purple blade every time, every time it, he lit it up. I, I loved it. And so when he started swinging that thing around and, you know, Django's head just happened to be the way it is what it is, you know, that's how I felt about it. Yeah, so. it's crazy, too, because I know here recently they've talked about um, I don't know if it's just got released or what, but it's been floating around the Internet a lot more. There was a heavier edit of that. I, I, we talked about this in text, but there's a heavier edit where Mace is like cut off your pinky toe, cut off your big toe, cut off your yeah. cab, cut off the back of your Achilles, cut off your left hand, your right hand. He just freaking like goes to town on this guy. Yep. Um, 
it's interesting because there's a there's a book that's very very popular from Legends that I've actually never read before. I'm in it right now called Shatterpoint, and it's about Mace Windu. And again, I'm not the biggest Mace Windu fan. I don't like the way he treated Anakin, and I feel like he's partially responsible for the fall of the Republic. But I digress. Um, but it's Samuel L. I know. I mean, but also. That I get it. Pros, pros and cons. I get well. it. But, I get um, it. Anyways, uh, I'm reading that book, right? And one of the opening chapters, it talks about, uh, so Mace Windu has this ability, and I don't think it's canon anymore, but it's called Shatterpoint. And because he's using a seventh lightsaber form called Vapad, which he created, and the Force basically, almost like the Mandalorian has a heads-up display of like, okay, here's where you should shoot this thing. He sees a Shatterpoint where it's... Uh, Let's say he's fighting against a tank. The force will reveal to him, like, here's the place on this tank you need to hit for the best outcome to happen according to the force or whatever. And so yeah. there's times it happens physically, but there's also times it happens situationally. And there's this moment where um, it talks about how Jango Fett is the baddest man in the galaxy. And it actually kind of alludes to the fact that the fight was much more fair than what happened, except for that. Jenko's jetpack had a malfunction. Yeah. And so that would have been cool to see like a real knockdown drag out. But long story short, in this book, Mace Windu, I guess it's from his diary um, or his journal. And he says, um, in that moment, I hesitated because I didn't want to believe Dooku was who he ended up being. And the shatter point of the entire Clone Wars was Dooku. And if I would have killed Dooku, the Separatists would have been, a, you know, basically a snake without a head. And that, uh, but it would have cost me because Django Fett, who is faster than anyone alive, would have gunned me down before I could turn my blade. And yeah. so it was interesting because he was like, I wake up every day thinking the reason that the Clone Wars are still going on is because I second guessed what the Force was telling me. And instead of just killing Dooku right off the bat, I put my blade to Django's neck and tried to reason with Dooku. And it went south from there. And wow. uh, it's interesting because I'm like, but was that true? Because Palpatine's still Palpatine. Uh, sure. But anyways, so those two characters, they've gotten love since then. We still, I would still love to get more Django Fett content, especially with the fact that um, Tamora Morrison's still around. Um, and obviously they can do, they can do stuff to him to make him look younger if they needed to. Um, I'm hesitant on that. I don't want us to get too heavy in the in the false identity type stuff. Have you ever thought about this though? Just going back to you know he wanted a son. He adopted himself. Yeah, well, when you're the baddest man on the planet, what else is there? I, I mean, I get it, but it's just like that is, that is a very would... Conor McGregor move of him, though. <laughs> okay, Conor, you just got your new contract. I'm the baddest man on the planet. You know what? What better? Let me let me have my. Let me have a clone of myself, you know? You know, I never thought it would be better than to adopt myself. You know? So, and that and that's that. That's that. And all these other booms can get it too. So, I think that's pretty funny. He did adopt himself. That's uh, hilarious. Yeah. Just a like, thought. I don't like the legalese. I'll just buy myself. Right, right. And the Kaminoans are so freaking sick. They're like, no problem. I don't see any red tape there. Right. <laughs> uh, sure, okay. why not? So, moving along. Uh, our next person, our next fool, you fool, if you will, is uh, half man, half amazing himself, General Grievous. Are you not? You must realize 
you are dope. Yeah. And, uh, dude, this guy, not only was he heavily marketed, but he actually had a role in the original Clone Wars that aired on Cartoon Network. And, uh, and that, that, uh, depiction of Grievous to this day is the best depiction we've ever gotten of Grievous. And, you know, him just like freaking like he threw out the cardboard and he was doing spin moves and he was doing break dancing on one hand yeah. fighting. Literally, there's one part in that in the if you've never seen if you're a viewer or a listener, and you've never watched the uh, the 2D animation like Samurai Jack style Clone Wars. It's actually on Disney Plus. They added it. So go and watch it. But there's a moment where he freaking grabs a Jedi with his claw, with his foot as a hand and yep. kills this cat by just slamming him into the ground. Yep. And I remember being, you know, like I said, I remember being like eight or nine years old. I guess it would have been later because this is right before the Revenge of the Sith. But I remember being, uh, you know, 10 years old and being like, ah, that seems kind of graphic. Very cool. And like <laughs> right. you know, being down for it. Um, but I mean, he has he has Jedi masters like Kayati Mundi, Shock T, like Kakrook was there and he has all of them dead to rights. They thought that Kakrook had died and he ends up surviving and and in comics and stuff later, they make jokes about like, can't kill Kakrook, almost killed by Grievous, almost killed by the Purge, almost killed by, and that's a running joke. But he like, I mean, these masters do like Shock T, Kakrook, Coyote Mundi, and then all these other cats he's just murdering. Uh, and then he shows up in Revenge of the Sith and has COVID and is useless, essentially. Uh, and the reason he has the cough though, for real, <laughs> the reason he has the cough oh, for real dude, is, uh, is pretty cool in itself because sure. he's getting the chancellor off of Coruscant and Mace Windu basically meets him at the airport and, uh, Grievous turns on him to like, basically be like back off or I'll kill you too. And Mace reaches out with the force and crunches his insides. And that's what creates the cough. Um, and that was a retcon, I'm assuming, at the end of filming or drawing or editing the Clone Wars because the reason he has a cough in Revenge of the Sith is because George Lucas had bronchitis and he had this terrible cough and they recorded it and they gave it to General Grievous. Interesting. Yeah. But what uh, were your thoughts? Did you feel like we were going to get a ton from General Grievous and he was going to be like this bad mamma jamma? Yeah, I didn't. I had no clue it would be a, a Darth Maul thing all over again. You know, we get to see a couple scenes with him here and there, and then he's done. But uh, I thought he was going to be, you know, the shiz. Like oh, I, yeah. I mean, I, I thought, you know, I mean, there's a couple times where, like, like the Obi Wan fight where he pulls out all four arms and just starts going to town. It's just like, oh my god, this guy's awesome, you know. Right. But but we just, I just, I don't felt like we got enough of him. Similar to Maul. Yeah, I think. Um... It, again, it's so interesting, and we're going to talk about a specific deleted scene towards the end of the episode, but there was a deleted scene where um, Shock T is following from Coruscant. Of course, she's she's Palpatine's uh, – um, I almost said arm candy uh, – bodyguard, I guess. <laughs> His Same escort, thing. if you will. Yeah. Uh, and uh, wink. And he uh, she follows up onto the Separatist worship as well. And there's a deleted scene that I don't know why they took this out of here, but there's a moment where Obi-Wan and Anakin are caught and Grievous is like, oh, cool, another Jedi. And he's like, he says something like, you know, this is the third rat I found on my ship or something like, you know, something yeah. like taunting them. And he freaking kills Shock T right in front of him. He yep. just puts a saber through her back and she's like, oh, and Anakin and Obi-Wan, of course, are like, no. 
And and but I wish that we got to see more savagery from him because yeah. that is his because in Legends, uh, I don't know what the canon story is of why he's so, you know, ticked off. But in Legends, the reason he's mad is uh, he's a he's a warlord for a species that is called the Kalish, and he's trying to fight for the freedom of his people or I can't remember if he's fighting for freedom or if he's like the warlord trying to enslave other people, but basically he's a patriot for his, for his people. And, uh, Dooku plants a bomb on his bomb. ship. Yeah. And when it late, when it, you know, when it crashes or whatever, he's there and he saves him, you know, basically saves his eyes and his, his sphincter. <laughs> whatever right. the freak Those organs are inside. Uh, right. He saves so little of him, but it's enough to create the cyborg around him. And he tells him, the Jedi didn't like what you were doing and they're the people who set this bomb. So the reason he's so ticked in legends is because he thinks that the Jedi had a put a hit on him essentially. Um, but there's moments that you get like that deleted scene. Or if you remember when he's riding that cool, uh, essentially like the one wheel, but it goes around you uh, yeah. on Utapau and he's riding and he was, if you watch it, if you have to, if you have to slow it down when he's getting ready to ride off that curb and just go straight down his one of the claws of his speeder bike grabs a clone trooper and just throws him off the yeah, edge. Yes, and yes. you hear. I think that's when the Wilhelm scream co comes in for episode three. Um, but it's so <laughs> crazy because even in the Clone Wars, um, he kills Kit Fisto's apprentice, but he can't really hold it up against like he, he's not holding his own against Kit Fisto. I just feel like the bar was set so high for this character. And yes. those, those those cartoon network Clone Wars, and it is just I feel like it's never lived up to that. Agreed. Um, Agreed. I would have, yeah. you know, I would love to see like maybe if they go back in time for some kind of content for something. I don't know what they could do, um, but it'd be cool to see his backstory. I just feel like he's such a cool character that we've never really gotten that ump from you know what i mean right no um go going back just a sec though to uh yeah i mean the fact that that uh dooku planted the bomb on the ship blew him to pieces and then and then turn around and put him back together so to speak um but like that's very is that not sadistic i mean it's oh, just yeah. like it's it's a it's a very criminal mind there's a criminal minds episode about that like where they would like hurt people just to heal them and then oh, kill him yeah. or something, something to that effect. But that seems very similar. So um, yeah, I just also, think that that's really weird. It's funny. It's kind of like the Tommy Boy moment of of Star Wars, where a freaking uh, Tommy breaks the door, and then uh, and then uh, what's that guy's name? What's the little guy's name? Spade. David Spade comes out and opens up the door and it falls off and Tommy yeah. goes, "What'd you do? What'd you do?" It makes me feel like Dooku's like. All right, got a little RPG here. Stoom, yeah. And blows yeah. Grievous out of the sky. And then poor freaking Grievous. God knows his freaking arms and legs are burned to a crisp. It's just, it's like his freaking uh, colostomy bag and eyeballs are left. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Dooku's like, what'd you do? <laughs> oh, dear God. We're going to edit a, a picture of the Tommy boy cover and make it grievous in Chris Farley. Uh, yes. Yes. Dooku and what grievous. Did you do? Um, hilarious, okay. but, uh, moving along in episode four, our next character, our next fool, you fool is none other than the grand moth himself. Will Huff Tarkin. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Enough of this. 
Vader, release him. As you wish. <sighs> Target. And, man, this is a guy that I guess this character is in the film a lot and you get a lot of content from Tarkin. The difference is, I guess the reason that we put him in this list is more for the reality side of things where you have a all time great actor and someone like uh, Peter Cushing, who's yeah. been freaking these, I mean, him and Christopher Lee, dude, they're like, Oh I've yeah. Been Dracula. I've been Sherlock Holmes. I yes. am an actual vampire. I fought in World War One, <laughs> Two, and I'm coming back from the dead to fight in World War Three. Like they're just yep. these acclaimed characters. Yeah. Um, and I thought he did a fantastic job with Tarkin. I think looking back on how much Tarkin we've gotten since then in Clone Wars and Bad Batch in the novel by James Lucino, uh, titled Tarkin, he's such an in uh, interesting character. And of everyone that is in Episode Four. I feel like I would have loved to have gotten more of that character. We never saw another character that was eye to eye with Vader. Right. And I was going to mention that. I was like, um, he's, he, he asserts himself very well as I'm running this show. I yeah. I'm leading this, you know, you do what you're told to do. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. Everybody, you know, everybody gets along. And, and right. he, he asserts that dominance, so to speak. But, and so v Vader knows where he's at. Yeah, it's interesting because um, there's – okay, so when you have the Emperor and you have Vader, there's a loyalty out of loss, out of hurt, pain, you know, but ultimately fear. Fear sure. is what keeps Vader in line because uh, if you go – man, if you guys are not reading the Darth Vader comics, your next birthday, that's what you asked for, okay? Whether it's digital or in print. Um, but there are several moments um, in this most recent one that started in, I guess, 2020, um, right after Vader is off the operating table um, post Revenge of the Sith. And he's just ticked and he goes after Palpatine and Palpatine is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And like just electrocutes him and is like, do not forget your place like you're ticked. Yeah. I could care less. And he's mad because of the failure on Mustafar. And right. It's like you're soiled goods as it is. You're lucky I keep you alive. So there's a fear there. And I say all that to say there's never another character in the entire Star Wars saga, um, specifically the original trilogy where we get Vader in the suit. There's never another character that Vader treats like he treats Tarkin. Um, sure. To this day, it still boggles my mind when. Uh, he's choking, choking. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. General Tag, I think it is on. It's freaking. And as I get older, and as I'm like a part of a corporation and a part of businesses, and like you know, uh, I go and help at an event, and we're planning, and there's a round table. You know what I mean? These yeah. guys. This is a board meeting, guys. This is not the cafeteria from Kylo Ren's SNL sketch. This is freaking. These are the top dogs. Like you have people like you know. Uh, Thrawn, if Thrawn had not been disappeared in Rebels, this is a room Thrawn is sitting in. That's the level of title yes. that these guys have. And yes. this guy's like, I don't think the Force is a big deal. You're a big weenie baby. And Vader's like, what if I just killed you? How about that? How, how weenie is that? And Tarkin comes in, and to this day, it's been 45 years, and to this day, I still go, holy frick, when Tarkin just says, Vader, release him. Like, there's no... There's no uh, hands up, like easy, easy guy. There's no like the way that the way that Han is like easy with Chewie. There's yeah, none of yeah. that. 
there's no. a command in that voice. It's, it's, it's just like, release him. Yes. Yeah. You're on yeah. you're on my space. Not my well, space, it, but <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, dude, that just goes to show. I mean, dude's got some big hairy ones. Just to oh, reach yeah. out and say, Vader, stop. Exactly. You know, nobody else on the Death Star would do that. Not yeah. a single soul. But Tarkin no. said, you know what? Stop. Back down. And, like just and, and not just that, but Vader doesn't go like and you too and start choking him. He's like, Right. Yeah. He yeah. Complies. He understands. So I would have loved to see more of that. It's a complex relationship that we never get ever again in Star Wars. Like Agreed. even with Obi-Wan and Anakin in episode one. Anakin's just this little kid in episode two. Anakin spends most of his time irritated with Obi-Wan. And by three, they're, they're pals. And then there's a lot of time they spend time apart in episode three. And by, yeah. obviously, the sequel trilogy is without Vader. But four, five, and six, there's never, ever another relationship like that. So it's uh, it's something I wish we got more of. And uh, it's something I would love to see in Bad Batch season two. Can we get some of Vader? I would love... And I don't, I can't believe I've never really said this before, but I would love to see some Tarkin and Vader conversation um, in Kenobi. Can we get Tarkin and Vader in Kenobi? Um, can we get, will Thrawn be in Kenobi? Who knows? I I doubt they have anything to do with Tarkin and Kenobi because they're pushing so many other things, but yeah. I would love to see that. Absolutely. I would, just, I would love to see um, either one of those guys, just, I want to see someone have a conversation with Vader where it seems like a conversation that's two sided. Yeah, you know, in the not Thrawn just Vader book, running over everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm with in you. The, in the Thrawn books, Vader's like, "So have you thought of a way to kill me?" And Thrawn's like, "I've thought of three. <laughs> like, yeah. there's any there's an equality there. Yeah. Um, so Tarkin's one of those guys uh, who got a fairer shake than most on this list, but we still would have liked more. The next character did not get a fair shake at all. And our next fool, you fool, is none other than Three Toes himself, <laughs> Bosk. Bounty hunters. We don't need that scum. Yes, sir. Those rebels won't escape us. Let's smoke the elf. And his one line throughout the yeah. entire series. His one Mucinex cough. Um, he, <laughs> boss's one line in the empire strikes back is like the results of when someone finally takes mucinex in the commercial and they're like Whoa! and like the loop yeah. finally comes out yeah. like he doesn't even it turns out he didn't even hear uh the imperials talking crap about the bounty hunters he's just been having a loogie for like the last 40 minutes and he finally goes <laughs> and gets it out um but bosk was a character that was heavily um, my understanding is he was heavily uh, advertised. He was a character that was like, remember Star Wars? Let's take it a step further. Come see this lizard space guy. And yeah. uh, and he's in the film for for one scene. Do you even call that a line or do you call it a hack? Who knows? Uh, he doesn't really have any dialogue. Um, yeah, I remember as a kid having the action figure for Bosk and, I don't, and being like, I don't remember this guy. But then, like, as I get older, you know, remembering, oh, yeah, he had a five-second little spiel here where, you know, right. he just <laughs> hisses or hacks or whatever right. you want to call it. And so, but no, I, I remember having a little action figure. So, yeah, he was heavily marketed and stuff like that. But, again, just not – Yeah. Not, it's, not it's, the – It's interesting because there's – 
there are characters on this list like Maul, like um, Grievous, that are heavily involved in the storyline, and it makes sense to get more of them. This is one of those characters that it's more about, you could have the movie without Bosk, you know? To have the movie without Grievous doesn't make as much sense because somebody's got to be lead, leading the forces, because yeah. Dooku has to be the figurehead that's the more presidential politic type. Grievous is the warlord, so you need a, a Grievous character for Revenge of the Sith. Bosk is just a really cool character that I think Lucasfilm and 20th Century Fox capitalized on. Kenner at the time capitalized on the action figure of Bosk. Um, but there's that's all we got. We we yeah. got more. We probably if if we did research on it more than just hey let's do an episode today. Uh, <laughs> If we did more research on it, I bet you there's more commercial time talking about Bosk and his action figure or come see this lizard guy yeah. than there is actual time with Bosk on screen. And 100%. I've never recovered. I've never recovered 100%. from it. Um, 100%. Same goes for the next guy. And Bosk has gotten a lot of Clone Wars love. I'd love to see him in the Bad Batch. My feelings are still hurt that we didn't get him in the Book of Boba Fett, but I'm moving on. Um <laughs> A, a character that we got a few lines from in episode five, and I want to say uh, no dialogue from in episode six is... Uh, you fool! The daimyo himself, Mr. Boba Fett. Boba Yeah. Um, so this character, what's so crazy about Boba Fett is he's clearly a fan favorite. He's the by five Star Wars figures, and you can have this figure. Uh, he's the guy that's got the elusive rocket firing Boba Fett action figure that there's they're worth like twenty five thousand dollars or something ridiculous now. Um, he's uh, he's the Lego character that's the most sought after from the Cloud City set from two thousand and three that had the. Uh, the printing on the arm and the leg. Yep. Uh, yep. He's this iconic fan favorite character, um, but he's such an enigma. I think that one of the reasons that Book of Boba Fett was so different than a lot of people expected is because of that same thing. I think that Lucasfilm had great plans for him in Return of the Jedi, and they moved away from that. We know now that Boba Fett was actually, at one point, going to be the main antagonist of Episode Six. It's just yeah. crazy. Yeah. I, and, and there's a moment where George is even questioning, should Boba Fett and Anakin slash Darth Vader be brothers? Which so would have been intriguing. That's that's freaking mind-blowing. Yeah, it, absolutely. And you know, now that we've said this about Tarkin, Boba Fett is another character that you can tell he's talking up, like he knows Vader's in charge, but he also doesn't take any crap from Vader. And that's... Yep. It, would, it would make... Not that it doesn't make sense now, but it would make a lot of sense... If he was Vader's brother, like, okay, I know I'm where you're at your job, but yeah, he's no good to me dead still. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I, I think that, um, I mean, just as a kid watching him, he was always, you know, one of those guys that kind of lurks in the shadows, but I mean, that's his job. His job right. is to kind of lurk, lurk in the shadows, find out what he can and then, and, you know, then complete the job. But I think that that's kind of why they, they left him like that is because, I mean, that's, that's what he does. He lurks right. in the shadows. He he hides behind things, but but yet he's he's the man that gets the job done, regardless of of what it is. And uh, I I do wish that we would have gotten a lot more of him in the original trilogy. Um, yeah. 
I I just yeah, he was not he was not utilized the way he should have been in my opinion. Yeah. And I think, you know, I really love the book of Boba Fett. Of course, as a diehard oh, yeah. Star Wars fan, there's things every diehard Star Wars fan would change about even their favorite Star Wars movie or TV show or, sure. or comic or whatever. Sure. Um one thing that I really loved was they start to flesh out good guy Boba Fett, which seems so foreign when you first see him acting like a good guy, like, okay, no more drugs. Okay. Pay for the water. Okay. Like, you know, like freaking like a good mayor, you know, yeah. uh, seems foreign, but it was interesting. Blast points podcast ter- uh, pointed out, we don't know enough about Django yet to make a decision on where he stands as far as a good or a bad guy, other than he's just trying to get paid. But every clone trooper by nature has a soft heart, has a kind heart, wants to protect, you know, the the little orphan in the village from the separatists, wants sure. to protect Omega when they're also running for their life from the newly formed empire. Um, so it makes sense that he's just been lacking family. He's been lacking love and relationship. Um, but I really would love I would love if if we ever get more Boba and if Star Wars Celebration gives us news on Boba Fett season two. That'd be amazing. Um, I would love for Boba Fett to be a character that of course you want to see Timura Morrison's face and hear his voice because we all loved him, but I wish he was a walk softly, carry a big stick like Teddy Roosevelt type character. Um, And Timura Morrison even said in book of Boba Fett, uh, don't you feel like I have so many lines you know, having gone back and watched the character and even the character that was in Mandalorian season two, don't you feel like I have so many lines? And he was, they were saying he was trying to pass his, uh, his lines off to Ming-Na Wen, uh, that he was like, maybe you should say this. And they were like, no, this is how it's written. But, yeah. uh, it's interesting. I wonder if, if he does show up in Mandalorian, can he be a little bit more shortened to the point? Um, but that's another subject for another day, but episode six are full as Boba Fett. Wait, um, go back. The question there is, does he show up in Mandalorian season three? Yes or no? Oh, if I have to guess. Mm, even for just a, a mention or a, or a, or a, he's in the background. I, I don't I, think that they can, that they can go without showing him just at least think- once. Yeah, I hope that he's at least in something. Um, yeah. I think that, uh, you know, I think that Jaster Mareel... Okay, so it's hard because we don't know how they want to take this, but in Legends, Jaster Mareel was the Mandalore, the leader of the the free Mandalorian, the true Mandalorians, you know, opposite side of the aisle from Death Watch. Um, but Jango Fett takes on that mantle. Uh, later down the road, Finn Shisa takes on that mantle, passes it to Boba Fett. Um, and because he's kind of becoming that leader, uh, that we haven't gotten before, but we've gotten in legends, Mm -hmm. I would like to see, um, I don't know. It would be cool to see a big brother, not little brother, but a little bit older, wiser Mandalorian and Boba Fett passing on some wisdom to, um, to, uh, Din Djarin. I think that Boba Fett doesn't care to be called a Mandalorian according to Bo-Katan's uh, rules and standards because she could die in a fire. But um, <laughs> I think... Tell us I how think, you really feel. 
I think he cares about his dad and his dad's legacy and maybe part of helping Din Djarin become the perfect leader of the Mandalorians is uh, him teaching him to be a better man, be a better man for the sake of your legacy. That's what my dad did. That's what my dad was. And that's why I, you know, who knows, but I, I, I would love to see him. I, I think that they're really establishing a uh, a connection between the two, and I, and I, I, so. I that's why I think that 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 he'll be in it again. And if they end up doing uh, more Boba Fett stuff, I, I guarantee you that they'll that he'll be in it too. But uh, like I said, I mean they're two of the only Mandalorians that we really see uh, right now, and so I think that that they're they're kind of establishing that connection, like almost like a brotherhood back again, so to speak. Yeah. So I hope so. I mean, yeah. I think. Um... Yeah, I, I think that obviously Din Djarin doesn't necessarily care for Bo-Katan and her crew. Sure. He feels distant. It's hard because he feels distant from the Armorer and Paz Vizsla, but they also stuck out their neck to save him. But did they stick out their neck because they care about Din, or did they stick out their neck because this is the way? And this it's just, is the way. It is what it is. Yeah. So I wonder if Boba can be one of those family-type relationships that he's been lacking, obviously – raised as an orphan and all those types of things. Well, I think um, that, that Bubba would cool. be the type of person to, to show him quote unquote the way without it being the way. Does that make sense? Yeah, so yeah. Like, like show him that, Hey, you can still be a Mandalore and still be, you know, not like hardcore diehard, you know, follow this religious belief this way, but you can still be a decent person. You know what right. I'm saying? Yeah. So. I, I hope so. I will feel better about the robbery that Mandalorian took from Boba Fett's episodes five and six. Um, yeah. It's it's they're great episodes, but they weren't Boba Fett episodes. Yeah. And we only got seven. And if we're not going to get a season two, it's like, why didn't you just make a five episode? I would rather get a five episode something about just Boba like we're getting with Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's funny because the the I was talking to a, a friend of mine. We were we were hanging out at a at a event recently, and I got to meet his wife, and and he was like, "Oh, Joe, you should know, uh, she she loves Star Wars." And I said, "Oh, really?" And I said, "Well," th-, and I was thinking mentally, this will tell me what I, what she really knows and loves. And I said, "What did you think about the book of Boba Fett?" And she said, "Oh, I loved it." And I said, "Really?" She goes, "Yeah, I loved episode five and six. And I was like, "That's all I need to know." Right. <laughs> and uh, you're excommunicated. <laughs> so I would, I would like to see some some payback, and I'd like to get some Boba Fett in the sure. Mandalorian. Sure. Um, so, gonna... moving along to the sequels, these are more recent, and these are people who probably might still get some love. There's still some storylines pointing to some of these characters that we're going to get. Um, but in the films, now these three could be any of the three movies, but I laid them out a certain way. Um, but episode seven, you fool. we have Supreme Leader Snoke. If Skywalker returns, the new Jedi will rise. And he's our fool for The Force Awakens. And uh, he was a character that um, maybe he's he could also be the fool for episode eight. Um, but he's a character that had so much promise. I mean, I remember working, uh, at my previous job and being like, okay, here's my whiteboard. You know, you go to your whiteboard in the morning and you're like, here's five things I really need to get done today. This is my task board. I remember being like, okay, I'm working this nine to five. 
I get done with my last task. It's 4.15. So I'm going to find out what everybody's saying about Snoke today for the next 45 minutes. And that was like <laughs> what I did on a daily <laughs> regiment until the movie came out. And even after the movie came out, because we still didn't know who the freak Snoke was. Right. I remember seeing theories that were like, I guess, uh, <coughs> I guess they took the hologram too seriously. And they were like, how is Ray ever going to beat that 50 foot tall guy? And yeah, uh, yeah. I remember being like, I don't think that's realistic. I think it's just a big video. Um, but Snoke is this guy that really gets thrown under the rug. And it's interesting because I believe Kathleen Kennedy said that Palpatine was always the big bad that would be revealed. That was the plan. Sure. But Daisy Ridley was like, we were still messing with it all along. Like we thought maybe Kenobi was the granddad or maybe this person's the, or the dad or the whoever. And it was like JJ Abrams came up to her while filming episode nine and said, Hey, Palpatine is granddaddy. That was a line that he said to her, like, here's the direction we're taking it. Um, wow. So Snoke, I definitely feel like, and it was crazy because when episode seven took place, there was so much going on that we were like, okay, cool. We're finally going to find out who this guy is in eight and a, we never found out who he was. B, at the beginning of the movie, he totally punks Kylo Ren. He does a freaking bounce pass off the floor with Sith lightning yeah. and electrocutes Kylo like through the floor. And I was like, what the frick was that? I was like, when I, and you can't rewind it. It's not on Disney Plus. And I was like, was that off the floor? I leaned over to Samuel and I was like, did he just shoot lightning off the floor? And, uh, and that was so sick. At the same time, he also goes out like a complete, like, you know, like a noob, like he's like, it, I guess in my mind, a Sith, not that he's a Sith Lord, but someone who's strong in the dark side of the force would be like, oh, this is cute. This guy's turning this lightsaber on this table next to me. And isn't that throne like made of stone? Wouldn't you hear like, right, right. I thought the same thing. thought the same thing. Snoke's that guy that just, man, what a cool idea that, and even the strand cast that he ends up being of Palpatine. I feel like we haven't gotten enough of that yet. And maybe the Mando verse will point us in that direction and really flesh that out for us in a way that is satisfying. Before we got all the, the Palpatine strand cast stuff of, you know, with Snoke, like there was a fan theory that I remember reading that, um, that he was actually uh, Tarkin. Yeah. I was just like, wait, what? And so I read oh, through it and God. apparently he was saved during the destruction of the Death Star and but via Palpatine reincarn not reincarnating, but but genetically helping him get back to because he because Tarkin was such a uh, an integral part in how powerful he really was. And th- anyway, that that's just one fan theory that I read before and I was just like, this is too much for my head. Let me, let me just oh stop. God. I'll just watch the movies. I'll figure it out for myself. But I was just like, holy crap. But anyway. That would be really cool. That Obviously, would be. They'd, have to, they'd have to answer the question of how does he get force sensitivity after death. But sure. Palpatine's a freaking wizard, dude. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. So, again, these are all three of these characters um, you could put in any movie because they're, 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 they're in the whole trilogy. But um, – Specifically, the reason I chose Phasma as our fool, you fool, for episode eight is because, again, the Bosk and Darth Maul level marketing, right? Of like, don't miss out on Captain Phasma. Right. And Game of Thrones was at its peak at the time, right? Yeah. Brienne of Tarth was freaking sick. And it yeah, was she like, was. 
um, this this lady, um, man, I cannot remember her name right off the top of my head, but uh, this this woman is who's Brand of Tarth, the character that's just you know kicking butt and you know, taking names, is gonna be Captain Phasma. So get ready for your first like really like we love Leia, we love Padme, we love Ray, but this is gonna be your first like just barbarian savage woman character in a in a you know she's got freaking shiny armor it was Gwendolyn Christie Gwendolyn Christie thank you jeez sorry but uh it, it was she was supposed to be all this yeah. this stuff and it was crazy because I'm not against a strong female character like I've always loved Ray I've never whenever people started posting videos of people booing whenever Ray says she's a Skywalker in episode nine I'm the opposite I was like wow how cool is that that like the story of redemption, the story of adoption, the story yeah. of like you make your own, you make your own way. Um, yeah. th- I thought that was so cool. And still and, being able to carry on the Skywalker mantle after that. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So I was, I was totally on board. Like, um, you know, when, when Padme's like this peaceful Senator and now all of a sudden she's like killing, killing people, just blowing Geonosians and droids out of the air with her blasters and Genosis, I'm totally for it. And I thought, here's a character who the actress knows what it means to be a cold-blooded killer from a, of another show. She's going to be like the stories we were getting from Captain Phasma were like she went and she found the freaking scrap metal from Palpatine's Naboo Starfighter. And that's how she made her armor. And I was like, yeah. so she's going to kill like 50 people this movie. Right. And right. She gets completely bodied in episode seven. Gets a comic, survives, gets a novel with her backstory, how she's on a planet called Parnassus and it's just a freaking crap hole. And she fights her way off of there. She she finds her way into a fighting pit similar to like, you know, uh, uh, Thor Ragnarok kills like this crazy beast. And I'm and I'm thinking to myself, they are setting her up for this triumphant return. FN 217. So good to have you back. She's going to be what they should have done with Maul. She's going to be what they should have done with Boba Fett. She's going to be what they should have done with these Grievous type characters. And then she gets pwned again. And the coolest part of her is a deleted scene from episode eight where Finn calls her on her cowardice from seven and is like, hey, you're bad to the bone. But when I put a gun to your head, you squealed like a pig and gave us yep. the codes to lower the shield on Starkiller base. And there's these stormtroopers surrounding Finn and, and, and Phasma. And they're like, Oh really? You're the reason Starkiller base isn't here. And faster than freaking Cad Bane. She's like, pew, 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 and kills these four dudes. And Finn only beats her because he shoots her with a freaking cannon. Yeah. In episode eight, I just thought that, um, I felt bad, right? Because, uh, on Twitter recently, I saw that the author of the Phasma novel, uh, I think it's Delilah Dawson, uh, posted, you know, I've got a, I've got a Phasma story after episode eight. And I was like, she survived again. Like I want it to be true, but it's just like, how many times can you bring somebody back to life? And it's not just a laughing stock. Right? No, I'm with you on that. 100%. And, and I think that that deleted scene that you're talking about really shows maybe just a tidbit of how BA she really was, because I mean, to be able to take out four and a half guys, you know, right. in, in the blink of an eye, I mean, she's, 
she's obviously got got a story to her. But again, I wish we had more. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think that I think the actress was the right call. Oh, like, absolutely. Really, she was. She like they. I you can tell that they were riding the wave of. Brienne of Tarth, Gwendolyn Christie is this killer character. Monster woman. She's huge. She's, you know, tough. She's brute. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And she's she and she's on the most popular show, you know, at the time of all time. You yep. know. Um, people are this is this is a character who has no skin in the game as far as who ends up on the throne, and she's someone's favorite character. Like sure. she had that Boba Fett cult following. Like Boba Fett's not gonna ever rule the galaxy, but we love Boba Fett. She had that right. following in Game of Thrones. And then the marketing, dude, the marketing, I feel like Finn got a similar treatment where it was like, holy crap, Finn's gonna be a Jedi. And then nothing happened. Right. Um, and that's something I'm still hoping for. Like, please, Disney, be watching this and make like Cyborg Phasma this big bad villain, and a newly trained Finn has to take her out, and it's like really does that storyline justice. Um, she was. I mean, I just look at. I, I remember watching and being like, dude, that is a huge. Like, if I saw this woman in the grocery store, I'd be like, wow, that's a big woman. Like, she's she's like this just freaking killer character in game of thrones and then it's like the suit is sick she's taller than everybody else she's the only stormtrooper that has different colored armor it's salvaged ship fuselage from freaking sidious and she goes out like a punk in two movies back to back yep um okay we gotta keep going uh this is our last one okay our final fool you fool for our April Fool's Gold character uh, relay, Adam, who do we have for the Rise of Skywalker? We have uh, the Knights of Ren. Knights of Ren, Gold. Which yeah. I, yeah, again. I wish we had more. Like yeah. we saw them, we got to see a little bit of fighting action. We got to see a little bit of the following action, but that was it. Like yeah. I was, I was, I was upset at that. To be honest, like yeah. I wanted more out of that. I, um, you know, and this this also speaks to, and I know that I found this every every movie franchise ever or whatever has moments where they have an idea, but the story's changing as we film. We know how it works, Yeah. but this is one of those glaring moments of JJ Abrams had an idea. Ryan Johnson didn't care, either didn't care for it or felt like it didn't fit, whichever. Right. And then they hired JJ for episode nine and he's like, Hey, remember the Knights of Ren? What right, they were in this one, like right. it felt like uh, it, it felt like uh, it felt like he not I don't know I don't know JJ Abrams personally obviously it felt like he was like this was a cool idea and you screwed it up so I'm gonna shoehorn him in and I wish again I wish we could have gotten more from them like they are they're present obviously much more in nine and the thing is you're doing so much in nine that you can't like there's no. There, there's no way to give them a ton of screen time unless it's a three hour movie. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So the Knights of Ren are one of those characters. We've seen them in the rise of Kylo Ren comic. 
which is like a five, four or five part run that came out years ago. And uh, there's a, a new storyline that's current going on right now called Crimson Rain. And if you're in the comics and you don't want to hear what's happening, I would say just fast forward to the maybe just come back to this episode when you're done. And I'll give you five seconds because I'm going to tell something interesting. Okay, so uh, where we're at, it's basically showing you the influence of Crimson Dawn post-Solo. And they've come back out of nowhere, um, basically right after episode five. And they actually steal uh, Hansel and Carbonite from Boba Fett, and they're going to put this auction up. And really, the auction is just a giant flex on the galaxy, letting everybody know they're back. And they invite the Huts, they invite the Empire, they invite uh, they invite Black Sun, they invite all these people, right? And uh, and <clears throat> you find out that Crimson Dawn's network, as we assumed, is much broader than we imagined. Like the uh, the the Shadow Collective that uh, Maul and Savage built, it's that times a thousand, and it's like yeah. every. It's not just them versus the Empire. It's like every network. There's Crimson Dawn people in that network. Absolutely. And one of the really influential characters. Um, uh, again, please don't watch this if you don't want to know. But um, Ochi of Bestoon, the person who murdered Ray's parents, he's in the Crimson Dawn, and he's working for Vader. He's obsessed with the Sith, but he's an, he's allegiant to Crimson Dawn as well. So like, it's a crazy moment there. Um, but uh, the next uh, installment of the Crimson Reign um, comic line, I don't, it's coming out either later in April or maybe in May. I think it's the next one, so I think it's coming out in the next week or so. Um, but it's it's the Knights of Ren. The Knights of Ren as a group are part of Crimson Dawn. And I'm just hoping that maybe this comic will flesh out a little bit more of their backstory. Obviously, we know the Ren is the saber or the crystal or the mask or whatever. Um, it's a title that's like – I think it's the saber is owned um, by the master of the Knights of Ren. And that's what Kylo gets and he becomes the master. Um, but these characters are like – they're they're strong in the force, but not strong enough to be Sith or Jedi, but they're obsessed with the dark side um, and they follow the Ren. And basically, like the way it works is like they just kind of cast lots and they're like, OK, well, what's the next job? And like they they follow like the calling of the dark side. Um, and it's such an interesting character, a group of characters. And you wonder and, and this is where like is a story group all on board and something just changes. But when we got that, um, when we got the book aftermath that first came out, right as uh, the force awakens came out, those interludes that told about, you know, Jar Jar being on Naboo or Cobb Vanth being the character that found Boba Fett's armor. It introduced another group of characters called the acolytes of the beyond. And they were obsessed with the dark side and they somehow discover um, Darth Vader's lightsaber and when when uh, that book came out and we had just watched The Force Awakens, and you just have that two second snippet of the Knights of Ren. I was like, holy crap, are the acolytes of the beyond the foundations 30 years before for these Knights of Ren characters? Um, so what would you what would you want to see happen um, if you got to choose and we'll sign off right after this? But if you got to choose um, a Disney Plus show. What, how do you want to see the Knights of Ren return? What time in the timeline? How do you want to see it happen? I want to see a Knights of Ren show. Just like straight up. Like I would love to see uh, Kylo and them, you know, walking through, 
you know, tearing things up, just like doing their their whole storyline and just I, I want to see them together as a unit fighting. Yeah. I don't care where it's at. I don't care if it's a whole show or if it's, you know, if it's a if it's a snippet in a movie somewhere, whatever. I want to see them in their prime working together as a unit fighting. That's what I want to see. Yeah. I would love to. It's cool because it's kind of like it's similar to the Bad Batch in the sense that every character kind of does yes. their thing. Yes. Um, I'd love to see like uh, I would love to see where these characters come from, like how they receive their calling and yeah. and what's I guess for me, like they serve the Ren, but like what's the goal? And I guess maybe we'll get some of that from Crimson Rain is like maybe they're helping. They want to free the galaxy of the rule of the Sith. I don't know. But yeah. um, anyways, so those are our nine April Fool's Gold characters. Um, if we forgot anybody, if you're like, yo, we didn't get enough Jar Jar in episode two or three, let us know in the comments. Um, what? Of course, as you know, <laughs> maybe they want more Jar Jar. Oh, God. We had enough Jar Jar. Come on. Snoke is Jar Jar. <laughs> oh, uh, man. If, you, if there's a character we forgot, if there's a character that you're like, hey, here's a character that's, you know, we'd love to hear more about, or if you have suggestions for episodes, we're always looking uh, to put out content you want to hear and watch. Sure. Uh, so please like this video, subscribe to the channel, follow us on all of those places. And remember, <coughs> I've got to just freaking think it's all the All right, Grievous. <laughs> oh, man. The force will be with you always. And uh, we will see you guys next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Chiss Ascendancy. Peace.